Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hey everybody, it's Dan and welcome to our Tuesday edition of the Orange and Brown Talk podcast, the Hey Mary Kay edition, where we answer questions about Jacoby Brissett, Kevin Stefanski, the defense, Cade York. We get into it all. These questions came from our Football Insider subscribers, and those are the questions that Mary Kay Cabot and I will answer. Now, if you want to become one of those Football Insider subscribers and get a daily newsletter delivered to your inbox, get access to exclusive stories on cleveland.com slash browns and Become one of our text subscribers so you can submit questions for this podcast. All you have to do is go to cleveland.com slash browns, click the blue banner at the top of the page, get info, and get signed up. All right, here we go. The Hey Mary Kay edition of the Orange and Brown Talk podcast. And here we go on our Hey Mary Kay edition of the Orange and Brown Talk podcast, our first post Game week edition, or I guess in-game week edition here, uh, as the Browns have finally played a football game, and it was a thriller, Mary Kay in Carolina. And of course, we have a bunch of questions from our Football Insider subscribers off of this game. We'll start with Paul Kuchik from Wake Forest, North Carolina. Hey, Mary Kay, the first game of the regular season under Stefanski always looks like an exhibition game. Jacoby Brissett was late delivering balls to open receivers, successful pass plays gained, but with little yards after the catch. There was almost no Njoku or significant tight end contribution. Does Stefanski's preseason approach adequately prepare the team for week one, or is this something that we evaluate as the season progresses? Great question. As always, our subscribers always, always come through for us. And I'll tell you what, I don't think that there is enough preseason preparation in games. And I know that he's trying to strike that balance between keeping his guys healthy and getting ready for the season, but it just seems like they sometimes aren't ready uh, to, you know, to go out there and get the job done. Uh, Last year, of course, they, they looked pretty ready in Kansas city for the most part. Uh, But that was a little bit of a mirage. Uh, But this time around, I do think that, especially in the case of Jacoby Brissett, I think he needed more time with his guys. I think it was pretty evident that, um, you know, that they just don't really have it together yet and that they have work to do and they're going to have to hurry up and get it together because very soon before they know it, they're going to get into the the meaty part of their schedule and things are going to get very tough very quickly. Yeah, and even that Kansas City game last year, they got off to that great start, but there were still like there were issues. There was the blown coverage. Um, there was the, on the Tyree Kill play. 
there were still some issues in that game. That was probably, obviously, it was nothing like the opener in 2020 when they just got absolutely blitzed by Baltimore. Um, and that was sort of a different scenario with, with Kevin's first game and dealing with COVID and a shortened training camp. But I do think it's an interesting question, you know, this this sort of preseason debate. You know, Cincinnati, I don't think Cincinnati played many of their starters, and they really struggled in that game against Pittsburgh in week one, even even though they should have won that game. Um, I don't know. I'm, I'm curious to see. You could probably cherry pick examples one way or the other, but I do think the Browns could maybe take a little more aggressive of an approach in the preseason, especially in this situation where it's just so unknown. Yeah. And uh, when you have so many new pieces and parts together, it's not like you ran it back with your whole offense. You know, I mean, if you had done that, then you can get away maybe with not playing those guys very much or not giving them very many reps. But when you have a new quarterback, a brand new center, uh, you have basically a new right tackle with Jack Conklin not being ready yet. And then you have this group of young receivers and even your star receiver in Amari Cooper is new. I mean, it's just a completely overhauled offense. And in that regard, I would have given them a little bit more time together. I think he waited too long to start giving Jacoby the first team reps. Now I know there was a method to his madness there, and that was to establish Deshaun and to have him ready for when he comes back. But I think it was at the expense of Jacoby and his skill players. And I think they're paying the price for that a little bit right now. And they're going to have to hurry up and, and come up that learning curve together very quickly. Did did you think yesterday was a case of the offense looking out of sync? Or is it is this sort of what it just might? And we got a lot of Jacoby questions. Um, but is this just sort of what it might look like? You know, I mean, it might look like this. Uh, you know, this might be it. I would I would like to think for the Browns sake and for their fans sake that Jacoby and his pass catchers are going to get better together. The only one that he really had anything going with was Donovan Peoples-Jones. I mean, he couldn't get it together with Amari Cooper. He really couldn't get it together with David Njoku. He missed a lot of throws. He missed open guys. We saw all that. Um, so I, I think it will get better. I think the fact that he got this one under his belt uh, and I, I wrote this a little earlier today. Uh, I, I think it will help him with a little bit of confidence going forward, knowing that he he went out there. Now he knows he kind of got his feet wet in this offense a little bit, uh, maybe built up a little bit of confidence. And I, I think now he'll he'll be able to go to Kevin and say, OK, here's what I like. Here's what I don't like. Let's try this. And I think he'll have some input. All right. Well, this seems very early to get this question, but this is sort of where fans are even after a week one win. Speaking of Jacoby Bryant, uh, hey, Mary Kay, this is from the 216 area code. Hey, Mary Kay, will Stefanski keep playing Brissett if he continues to underperform? He played Mayfield through injuries and incompetence. Will he ignore Josh Dobbs and keep Jacoby Brissett on the field if he struggles? Well, I don't know how long the leash is for Jacoby Brissett. Uh, you know, it's hard to say. He's not their franchise quarterback. He's not Deshaun Watson. He's not, you know, what Baker Mayfield was supposed to be to this organization. So maybe the leash won't be quite as long. It was pretty darn long on Baker last year. I mean, too long, I thought. I think you are in agreement with me on that. Um, I don't I don't know. I I don't think we should overestimate Joshua Dobbs either. 
I think in probably in every town, but certainly in this one, everybody's in love with the backup quarterback, right? Right. I, I think you have to be careful about that. I think you have to be very careful. Joshua Dobbs has only attempted 17 NFL passes. And some of the stuff that we saw him do in the preseason, although just, you know, if you are just evaluating, evaluating it in a vacuum, you can see a lot of traits and skills that you like, but it was against third and fourth teamers. So you have to take that into account. And, you know, even, you know, Robert Sala, you know, with the Jets is going to run a very sophisticated, aggressive defense. One uh, very much like the Browns run, uh, because, you know, we know that he and Joe Woods work together in San Francisco. So, um, you know, nobody's going to make it easy on these guys. It looked slow developing. Am I right, Dan? I mean, didn't yeah. it just look slow developing? Now, now that he's heading into his second game, maybe things will move along quicker. But there were just times he held the ball too long, uh, you know, had to throw it away. It just it just th- it just didn't seem fast. They have to speed this up. Yeah. And I don't know how much of that was Jacoby and how I mean, I think a lot of it was Jacoby. Just it, it felt to me like the ball he really hesitated unleashing the ball on deeper throws as far as like, like there was a play where it looked like Njoku was running some kind of a seam or something. I never know what these routes are. He, he was running some kind of a seam route and it looked like there was a window there where, you know, a Deshaun Watson or, or even, you know, Baker Mayfield when he was sharp is, is going to see it and recognize it and get the ball there. Mm-hmm. And Jacoby just wasn't doing that yesterday. He wasn't, it seemed like if it wasn't a short pass or a quick pass, it, you know, like a screen or a swing or something, it wasn't going to get to a guy quickly if he was running a deeper route. Yeah. And I think that Jacoby traditionally has not been an aggressive thrower when he goes through his reads, whereas Baker Mayfield never met a one-on-one opportunity downfield that he didn't take. Right. right. I mean, if, if he sees a one-on-one 40 yards downfield, he's throwing that football. Jacoby's not like that. He's he's nowhere near as aggressive as Baker was in that regard. But they're going to need him to stretch the defense like that a little bit. Uh, they're going to need him to try to get the ball into the hands of, of some of their more explosive playmakers to the extent they can, or they're just going to get packed boxes and uh, people are going to sit on their routes and, and things like that. So uh, I, I do think that he should take a few more of those shots, but when he tried it, yes, you cannot hesitate. I mean, he, he really seemed to, to hesitate, but once again, as we mentioned before, I think the fact that he has that first one under his belt now, uh, I, I think he feels pretty good about that game and not necessarily the way that it started, but the way that it ended most of all, because it ended with a W. And so it gives you, you know, a little bit of breathing room, to go into the next game and maybe you get a little quicker, a little bit more aggressive. Is some of it, you know, I don't want to take too much off Jacoby, but is some of it a play calling issue? Is some of it a scheme? Like we saw how much he was struggling with the deep ball yesterday and they're still kind of running Amari on go route. And I guess you have to have that element in your passing game, but is some of it like maybe they just didn't adjust the offense enough to Jacoby? 
Well, you know, a lot of times you do have to go back to the drawing board. And that's why I tried to to get a handle on this today when we talked to Kevin Stefanski. What did you learn about Jacoby in that first game? Now, he's not going to give away the keys to the castle and tell us exactly, you know, what he learned about him. But I'm sure they learned a lot about what he does well, what he likes, what he doesn't do well, how he reacts when he sees a one-on-one matchup down the field, what he's looking for. Does it have to be perfect for him to to want to take that shot there was one t- that I remember to to Harrison Bryan and it was a horrible decision and he took that one um so and a couple of the other ones that he threw he overthrew Kareem Hunt on the deep ball he overthrew Amari Cooper on that first deep ball so he was just kind of off and um you know maybe if he gets himself into a little bit more of a rhythm then he'll feel more comfortable aggressively taking some of those shots. You have to take some of them to create space. You have to do that, or you're not going to like what you see when you look out there. And they have the horses. I mean, they really do. Even Anthony Schwartz showed some things yesterday, I thought. And I thought that was encouraging. Because if you can take some some shots to him and have an opportunity to utilize his 4.2 speed, then you really will open things up a little bit and create a little bit more space for other people. Yeah, Anthony Schwartz had a huge catch uh, what the yeah. field, on the field goal drive where they went up nine. Um, he yes. had a catch on third down that kind of started the drive. It was either yes. going to be three and out or it was going to be a play there, and, and he made a really nice play there. So that, that was an encouraging step forward for Anthony Schwartz. Um, it kind of flew under the radar, but he definitely um, he, he needed that. We'll see where it goes from here, but he needed that. Yes, he did, especially because he had that first one uh, that he wasn't able to secure. And I think it would have been, I mean, it would have been a tough contested catch. Um, and and you expect him to have some of those growing pains, but he didn't get the first one. And so for him to, you know, kind of just pull it back together and and come back and get that, that big one that you're talking about, uh, I, I thought that was a good sign for him. So, you know, good for him on that because they need him. That was that 19-yarder over the middle on third down uh, in the fourth quarter um, on that 30, the the drive that ended in a 36-yard field goal, like you said, that put them up 23 to 14. So, um, you know, that was good. I mean, he got he got the ball in his hands on a couple of reverses. So he was able to, to run and use his speed and get a little success that way. They need, it's got to be all hands on deck right now, especially until Deshaun gets back. Uh, Dennis Blackburn in Tampa, Florida. Hey, Mary Kay, I'm worried about Jacoby's passing accuracy. Do you think all the confidence demonstrated by the coaches in him was just to buoy his confidence? Well, you know, it's it's a lot easier in practice when you don't have guys bearing down on you and they're not going to hit you. Now, this was on the road. It was loud. And it was against one of the better defenses that they're going to play this season. That's a good defense. They're an aggressive, attack-minded defense. They did not make things easy on the Browns at all. Um, so, you know, I, I do think that it was a, you know, it was it was good data. It was a good learning experience. And now, now they'll go from here. It almost was like a preseason game because he had only played in one preseason game. And he didn't have any of his weapons in that preseason game. He didn't have Amari. And I'm not even sure. Did Donovan Peoples-Jones play in that Bears game? I, um, I He might have played a little bit. I've got 
the site up here. I can look. But, you know, he didn't have Nick. He didn't have Kareem. Now, fortunately for Jacoby, uh, they they went to that well yesterday. They went to the Kareem and Nick two-headed monster, and that's going to serve them well. They need something. They need playmakers that can get the job done. And those two guys are ready and willing to carry the load, not just in the run game, but in the passing game as well. And I think that will, I think that will be enormously beneficial for Jacoby. Peoples Jones did play in that game. Okay. Um, one catch for four yards on three targets. Yeah. That was Again, the another guy that had a great game yesterday. Yes. I mean, we have to talk about Donovan Peoples Jones. If we didn't get a question about him, um, he really did a, a fantastic job, I thought, of making those contested catches. And that's his forte. I mean, he's going to win his one-on-one matchups. So now this is what I, what I mean when I talk about data. So now Jacoby knows how Donovan Peoples-Jones is going to respond when he fires the ball into him and he's got a guy draped on him. A, a lot of times he's going to win that ball, right? He's going to win it. Whereas a guy like Anthony Schwartz is still going to have to work on winning those contested catches. He's more of the get open downfield and get him the ball in stride when he's sprinting. Right. So, you know, if Jacoby's got to learn his guys and they have to learn him and the coaches have to learn it all. So the, the confidence question was interesting because I, I, I guess I never got the vibe that, the confidence they were showing in Brissett was this confidence that he was going to like look like Deshaun Watson or put up incredible stats or be the guy that would lead this team to a Super Bowl. I think the confidence was just he's a veteran. He's going to run the offense. He's going to know what he's supposed to do. Um, I actually heard somebody on a podcast today. I thought it was funny. They said Jacoby Brissett always knows what to do. Now, whether he can actually do it, that's different, but he always knows what to do. Um and and he's not going to turn the ball over. Now he had some, he came awfully close about three times in that game, but they, he didn't turn the ball over. I kind of feel like that's the confidence level. And maybe they oversold him a little bit just because that's kind of what you do. But I, I never got the sense that this, this coaching staff believed Jacoby would throw the ball 40 times a game and throw for 350 yards and three touchdowns every game. Not at all. You're exactly right. I think they spelled it out very clearly, exactly what they were looking for from him, what they expected from him. And we always knew that when Jacoby was in the game, uh, he was going to be a game manager that for the most part, he wouldn't turn the ball over. And I just saw a stat where Kevin Stefanski is 18 and three when he wins the turnover battle uh, as the head coach of the Cleveland Browns. So that's one of the reasons why they really like Jacoby and why it's vitally important for him not to turn that ball over. Um, But I, you know, I think they're getting what they expected to get out of him. Now, certainly they didn't expect all those misfires yesterday. There were way too many of those. I mean, I counted at least a half a dozen. I mean, and there were probably way more than that. Uh, it, it felt like a lot. It felt like a lot where we were, you and I were sitting next to each other in the press box. And I just kept writing overthrow, misfire, <laughs> through wide, through, you know what I mean? It was like, whoa. Um, so, or or missed an open guy and threw the ball away or took a set, whatever. Um, but I think it's going to get better. And Kevin Stefanski said that today. And there's every reason to believe that uh, his second start, his third start, 
should be better than his first start. Now, the Steelers aren't going to make, I mean, the Jets aren't even going to make it easy. Nobody's there. You know, there are some good defenses coming up. The Steelers, of course, are are not going to have their NFL defensive player of the year, TJ Watt. That is huge. That's absolutely huge. Especially if James Hudson is still starting at right tackle, right? We saw what they did to Jane, old James Hudson last season, uh, in Baker's last game in a Browns uniform. And uh, so, yeah, that that is a enormous, enormous loss for the Pittsburgh Steelers. But I do think that Jacoby will improve a lot over what you saw yesterday. I'll say this, though. If anybody can dial up a defensive game plan without T.J. Watt, it's Mike Tomlin and that Steelers staff. Yeah. I mean, I'll, we all remember the Freddie Kitchens 2019 game when Tomlin went into the the stories. Tomlin goes into the locker room and basically just draws up a defensive scheme in the second half, and they shut the Browns down. Um, if if anybody can do it, it it's going to be them. Yeah, they, I mean, they still have a lot of good defensive players. You know, they've got Cam Hayward, uh, who is amazing. Uh, they've got other guys that can rush the passer, uh, and and Mike Tomlin is just a really really good football coach, and. You know, that game is certainly not going to be easy. They're going to watch this film and they're going to be champing at the bit uh, to try to disrupt Jacoby and get him off of his mark and take advantage of the fact that he's not playing fast right now. And they're going to come fast. That's going to be the game plan. There were Carolina was getting to him on some delayed blitzes um, in Mm -hmm. the second half of that game. Um, so th- yeah, that's that's something to kind of keep an eye on how how teams sort of approach that and and what they do moving forward. All right, let's take a break, and we've got some some non Jacoby questions, and of course some questions about the defense uh, that came in from our Football Insider subscribers. And back on the Orange or Brown Talk podcast, the Hey Mary Kay edition. Uh, let's start here. I mentioned we have some defensive questions, but I want to get to this question first from the three one six area code. Hey, Mary Kay, does this win change your expectations for this season? Or are you still thinking nine wins and no playoffs? Were you, you know, that? <laughs> yeah, you know what? No, I don't remember. I, I put that in a text. I never actually wrote a column about that, but I did text that to our subscribers that I was thinking nine and eight and probably missing out on the playoffs because I don't think nine is going to cut it. And I still feel the same way because if they don't get it together from a quarterback pass catching standpoint, from a passing game standpoint, then those seven games, those final seven games of Deshaun's suspension are going to get really, really difficult. And, you know, when you start adding it, adding it up and playing the schedule game and doing the math, it's hard to get to six wins. And then, you know, if you don't get to six wins, if you get to five, then you're putting a lot of pressure on Deshaun Watson to come back and win five and go five and one. And that's not going to be easy either. That's certainly not going to be easy. So, um, so I would say I still feel the same way. If anything, I think this game may have reinforced my feelings on that. Yeah. I mean, listen, Browns fans should be really happy that Browns won that game. That was a great game. They're going to remember it forever. But I think there's also a reality that, you know, if that kick stays right and doesn't go through or 
if they do call grounding or if they don't call that uh, roughing the passer, we're having pretty different conversations today. And some of that is just the nature of the NFL that we, we can go through. Like I, I mean, like I said, Cincinnati played terrible yesterday, but if they don't get an extra point blocked, they want to know. So, you know, that's kind of the nature of the game. But there was just a lot watching that game in real time that makes you wonder, like you really struggled against Carolina and it just doesn't even like Atlanta. Atlanta seemed to play pretty well. I didn't watch the game, but it sounds like they played pretty well in that game and they ended up blowing a big lead against New Orleans. But like now that game feels a little bit tougher. The Browns should still win it. But just games like that even feel a little bit tougher after watching this first game. Yeah, I mean, if you can't utilize your your big weapons, your big guns, you know, then it's going to be difficult. I mean, if you can't get the ball to Amari Cooper on a consistent basis and you can't get the ball, you know, to David Njoku and you struggle in that regard, uh, then, you know, then I think that, you know, it's, it's going to be hard to win uh, against some of these better teams. So, yeah, it's, it's going to be really um, – I think it's going to be really challenging because so many of the other guys, I was thinking about this a little earlier today. So many of the other guys are so young and so inexperienced. I mean, David Bell, Anthony Schwartz and Michael Woods, who was inactive yesterday with a hamstring and an illness. I mean, these guys are really, really young. And I know the Browns philosophy is bring them along. We don't expect them to peak. I mean, they're assistant GM, Glenn Cook told us this. We don't expect them to be what they're going to be in week one. As the season goes along, they're kind of going to, they're going to kind of grow up, but you know, you don't want it to be too late by the time they come of age. Like you have to still be in the hunt, but they've got so many young guys. And I still think they're, they have left themselves too short on the, uh, on the receiving end. I think they needed like a, I mean, even like Jarvis Landry went out and had like a really nice game Mm -hmm. yesterday. I mean, they need somebody like that, I think, that is just right now you need a sure-handed, surefire guy that's been around for a long time and that's just going to go make the play for you and you can always count on him. Yeah, Jarvis Landry, 7 for 114 yesterday. Um, And it does feel like especially with Jacoby Brissett at quarterback, he'd be a really nice pair of hands to have available to you, you know, in that short intermediate passing game. He's, he does have that ability to, to get down the field a little bit. Um, yeah. I, I think, I think you miss him a lot and, you know, we'll, we'll see, I guess we'll see where this goes. Cause he didn't get paid a lot of money. So I don't know. We'll see if this ends up being a mistake, if maybe the Browns could have brought him back at a, at a discount. I mean, you've mentioned before, sometimes it's hard when you wave a, or when you cut a guy and want to pay him less, there's some bad feelings there, but uh, you know, that's, that's just one of those things to monitor along with some of the rookie receivers that they, they chose not to take. Yes, absolutely. Uh, it, it's one of those things. And I really thought that they should bring him back. I, I was uh, you know, just driving that bus for, for a while talking about doing whatever it takes to kind of try to get him back. But short of that, I would have signed, I would have signed Cole Beasley. I mean, from what I know or see, remember seeing of Cole Beasley recently, I mean, he's a sure-handed guy that's going going to go out there and make that play for you. Now, I don't know. He's 33 years old. Maybe it's not the same as it was two years ago or whatever the case may be, but I still think they need that guy 
And when they're watching this tape, I, you know, they've got to ask themselves, have we left Jacoby Brissett a little short in the receiving department? So we actually just answered a bonus question here. Zach from Talmadge asked this very question about the receivers. If uh, he, he said he's still very concerned with the receivers. Um, he knows Stefanski schemed them open and DPJ produced beyond expectations, but still thinks the Browns need a veteran. So Zach, uh, we have, as Mary Kay likes to say, we have ESPN and we, uh, we <laughs> answered your question before even asking it. Uh, again, before we get to the defense, I thought this was a fun question. Everyone talking about Cade York. So this comes from Spence Dolan and Solon. I, I, I like that. that. Spence Dolan <laughs> and Solon. Uh, cool. Hey, Mary Kay, how many additional games would the Browns have won last season if Cade York was their kicker? Hmm. I'd have to rack my well, brains. I'm, I'm going to pull up. I'm going to pull up the Browns 2021 schedule here um, on Pro Football Reference, and we can see. Some of their losses. Uh, let's see. I got to find them here. Here we go. Cleveland Browns. So let's see. They lost to Kansas City. Uh, 33-29. I don't think York would have made a difference in that game. Um, let's see. I'm going through some of these other losses. The Chargers, probably not. 15-10 to the Steelers. There's a lot. 45-7 to the Patriots. No. But now mm-hmm. we're getting into it. It's really kind of this stretch here. Las Vegas, the COVID game. Mm-hmm. They lost 16-14 and McLaughlin missed a bunch of kicks. Maybe they win that one. Yeah. There you go. There's one. Uh, Green Bay. That's the obvious one because what did we hear constantly yesterday? What was the theme of yesterday? Just get me to the 40-yard line. Yep. Absolutely. Just get... and And you can't even necessarily really do it the way that we're doing it right now, because your whole strategy right, changes. If you have Cade York, your stra- your offensive strategy completely changes because the truth of the matter is, I mean, just getting him to the 40 is, um, is, is so cool. But I mean, like you could even take a chance if you had to, if you got him to the 42, you know what I mean? So your, you know, your football philosophy changes. And I, I just think that what a great pick that was. I mean, the fact that he has the ice in his veins that he does is what clinches it. You know what I mean? Like he's just, he's got the right demeanor to be able to do this. Now, the proof will be in the pudding when it's 20 degrees and the ball feels like a brick. And it's wet and slick and icy and windy and snowy and all those kinds of things. But for the most part, I think this young man has amazing Pro Bowl potential. Um, I forgot this one. The Sunday night game in Baltimore, the very first drive of the game, Chase McLaughlin missed a 46-yard field goal. Oh, yeah, there you go. You know, and it's so so some of it is like little things like that where it just changes the tone of a game where even early you miss a kick and it's just you know, you should be ahead and now you're not, or you should be tied and now you're trailing, whatever it might be. Um, it, it can make a big difference, but I, I don't think it's crazy to say, and look, Cade York's going to miss some kicks and Cade York's going to lose some games for this team. It happens to the best kickers. Um, Evan McPherson last year essentially lost a, a game to green Bay for the Bengals, And he ended up 
you know, being the best kicker in the playoffs last year. So it, he's going to have some games where he lets this team down. It's not going to mm-hmm. happen very often. Right. But I think, I don't think it's crazy to say the Browns might've won two to three more games last year. Yeah. If you just take Chase McLaughlin and trade him out and let Cade York kick the exact same kicks. Oh yeah. And, and that is why, and again, I, I said it somewhat tongue in cheek, but I, I wasn't kidding as much as, as I let on that I was, that I was <laughs> when I, when I said that, that I would take him at number 99 overall, because if you get three victories out of the guy a year and maybe he kicks you into the AFC championship game or wins the Super Bowl for you. I mean, there's a lot of value in that. And there's almost no one that agrees with me on that. And I don't even care because, <laughs> because I mean, it was kind of, that was a compensatory pick, wasn't it? Uh, it, was a, it was a pick they got in a trade down, I think. So it was kind of like a bonus pick anyways. Um, oh, are so, you talking, oh, you mean 99? 99. Yes. I think 99 was a comp pick. Yeah. I thought you were talking about the pick they used to get Cade. Yeah. So, um, so why not? I mean, it's a bonus. Do something cool, do something fun with it. And, and the only reason why I would have done that is because what would they have done if someone had swooped in and stolen them before they got to him with 128 or whatever it is they picked him with? I mean, that would have been bad. And not worth it. See, but this so, is where this is where Andrew Barry will sit down with you and talk about pick value. And they got David Bell at ninety nine and Perry and Winfrey at one hundred eight and Katie York. They got to, they got their cake and they ate it too. I know, and they did. And <laughs> I'm sure it it will it, it ended up working out beautifully for them. But like I said, what if a team knew they were going to do that? And jumped up ahead of because I mean now it's kind of cool to draft a kick. I mean, when you see what Evan McPherson was able to do, uh, you know, it's it's starting to not be so taboo to to take a kicker relatively high. What if somebody had had jumped their route and taken this guy from them? And then, like you said, there's two or three victories that could go right out the window. In- including yesterday. Yes. Um, okay. Tom from Middlebury, Connecticut. We did have a couple more receiver questions here that I think are worth it. Does Amari Cooper have the mentality to survive on three catches a week until Deshaun Watson gets back? Very good question. Very, very good question. He's used to producing like crazy. And I know they're going to keep working on it. They're going to keep making an effort to get him the ball. Now, the thing about Amari right now is that he is going to be drawing the double teams. He's going to draw the extra attention. He's drawing that safety over the top. So they're they're thinking, oh, we could just kind of take Amari out of the game, and then we don't have too much else to worry about on the receiving core. Well, Donovan Peoples-Jones had something to say about that yesterday, which was good for them. Um, But they still need a couple of other guys to step up before they can get back to the point where uh, Amari is not drawing the extra attention all by himself Uh, because yeah, I I do think that, I mean, he's really used to a thousand yard seasons. He's used to making pro bowls. He's used to getting, you know, whatever, 80 catches and a bunch of targets. So yeah, I think, I think it would be hard for him. It's hard for receivers to deal with a lack of production. It's just in their nature. Yeah. And I I think, 
you know, they tried to get him the ball and some quick stuff. I think they ran a little like bubble screen or a quick throw to him at, at one point in the game. It didn't really work out. But I, I think, you know, the goal ultimately is to get him as that downfield target. And, you know, they, that was the um, the interception that got negated on the on the pass interference um, was tar- trying to get Amari deep. So, you know, we'll see. I, they'll figure it out. And I do think that we've talked about that. We talked about it with Odell. We talked about it with Jarvis. Sometimes this coaching staff maybe could do a better job of feeding these guys a little bit early, just giving them some easy touches. It almost feels like that's what they do with Anthony Schwartz, but they don't always do it with the top guys necessarily. Um, Mm -hmm. you know, maybe just, maybe just figure out a way to get Amari like two touches early in the game on offense. Yeah. And if you, if you remember, I mean, if you go back to that very first drive, I mean, there there should have been a touchdown pass to Amari Cooper. He had the, um, just, you know, just a couple plays in, he had a six yard catch on a slant, I believe it was. And then two plays later came the deep overthrow. So, I mean, they they tried to get the ball to him. I mean, they had to burn that time out early on for confusion earlier in the game. So th- things got off to a little bit of a rocky start. But I think there was an effort on that first drive uh, to get him involved, and it just didn't work out. And then before you know it, um, you know, there was Donovan Peoples-Jones winning his battles and Cooper being covered in such a way that it just – really wasn't working out for him and or the ball wasn't accurate to him okay drew from garden valley idaho hey mary Kay, what the heck happened to david and joku and david bell both were mia was the issue them or jacoby it's a great question i saw that david and joku tweeted something to or instagrammed something to the defensive coordinator of the panthers <laughs> And I don't know where he was going with that, but, um, but yeah, I I don't know exactly what happened with David Njoku. That's one of those things where now I'm glad that the locker room is open because when you can get some of those guys in there and David hasn't been real magnanimous about like hanging out, wanting to talk to us in the locker room <laughs> yet. But, um, but I think it would be interesting to check in with him and just say, what happened? Like, where'd you go? Why? Why didn't it work out? Why didn't this game lend itself to you getting a bunch of targets? Because I thought he would. I thought this game was perfect for him to get five, six, seven targets. Yeah. And, you know, again, I know people really like to talk about Njoku as a blocker. And I understand that. I mean, that's an important part of the job. And him embracing that has been great. But when you're getting paid $14 $14 million a year. You can't just be a blocker. You've got to make an impact in the passing game. And um, I'm, I'm a little torn because Jacoby was not great yesterday. And so maybe that did cost him at the same time. We do see really good tight ends thrive with questionable quarterback play. So there's, I, I guess there just has to be a balance there. You know, I don't know that anybody expects him to be George Kittle necessarily, or, uh, Mark Andrews or even Darren Waller, but you you just do want to see a little bit more of an impact in the receiving game than what he had yesterday. Yeah, and did you see him uh, lined up as a fullback? I did, and I know they do that. They do that now and then with him and and Harrison Bryant to put him in the backfield and they'll motion him. Uh, but yeah, I did I did see that. Yeah, so they used Kareem as a fullback. They used the tight ends as fullbacks. So they're kind of doing a little bit of a fullback 
by committee now that they don't have Johnny Stanton. And so David had to jump in and play that role a few times, but for my money, he's, you know, he should be one, you know, getting the ball, you know, on intermediate routes, getting the ball over the middle and out muscling his way uh, to that catch. So hopefully for everyone involved, they can start getting him the ball more. And again, just so smart football Twitter doesn't get mad at me. David Njoku, I've I've seen the videos. He's done a very nice job blocking, but just need to see a little more impact in the passing game. And, you know, he's a guy that certainly is affected by by Deshaun Watson um, as well. Okay, lots of questions about the defense, and they're basically summed up in this one from Jay Traverse in Minneapolis, Minnesota. Hey, Mary Kay, what are the problems in the secondary that are leaving receivers so uncovered? This looked like the Chargers game from last year. A few people brought up that Chargers game, actually. A few of our texters brought that up, and I had sort of forgotten about it, but there were two very distinct blown coverages in that game that looked a lot like what we saw yesterday. Mm -hmm. Well, I have given this some thought today, and um, here's what I think. I think the fact that you've got a brand-new young cornerback out there in Martin Emerson – and then your second-year safety, Grant Delpit, really, it's only his second season. He has started not even 16 games in the NFL. Um, so he's still kind of new. We forget that he's newish because he's been around for a while, uh, but missed that first season, obviously, with the ruptured Achilles. So, you know, he's going to have a few growing pains here and there from a communication standpoint occasionally. And then I tried to get Denzel Ward to kind of address this today, but he he wasn't going there with me. Um, but I feel like I'm right and he was wrong. So we'll see how that goes. But, <laughs> but I think that um, the fact that Greg Newsome and Denzel Ward missed so much training camp this summer, coupled with the fact that you have Emerson, who's brand new and a rookie, and then Greedy Williams, just left the lineup for probably up to five weeks with a hamstring injury. I think there's just been a revolving door in the back end. And I I think that's hurt them. And I I certainly think it showed up in Carolina. Yeah. And, you know, I, I, I think you're right. And I also think like, come on guys, you've been together now. This is your second year. Like this, it just feels like this still, it shouldn't happen. And, you know, I had, I talked to John Johnson after the game um, and asked him about it. And, you know, I think he was a little bit like, you know, he, he basically said like, when we, when we do our jobs, we can be dominant. Mm -hmm. And he he said, we were dominant except for two plays, you know, and, and he knew like those two plays kind of ruined what could have been like an absolutely dominant performance. So I think there was frustration on that defensive side that those two plays I don't think it ruined the fact that the defense played well, but I mean, certainly again, if that kick stays right, it does, but um, it it did sort of put a mark on, on what was a really good defensive performance. Oh, absolutely. And I did the math on some of this yesterday and I can't even remember um, what it is now, but, um, but if you, if you took away, yeah, if you took away those two plays, Baker Mayfield had almost, no passing yards. I mean, he had like a hundred, you know, something nominal. If you took away those, those two plays, he ended up with two thirty-five. but so, you know, there you go. Take away uh, the, the one 
25 and uh and you're yeah so you're left with 110 yards passing i mean that's nothing um but it can't happen i mean it just cannot happen you have to play really really sound team defense but like i said denzel did not agree with me on that he said there's plenty of continuity and you don't necessarily agree with me either but um but i think there is something to be said for uh young guys uh, needing time on task and needing to be out there, needing to be in training camp and and needing to work on on a, a defense that actually has some coverage nuances. I mean, I don't know if this rotation is just because those guys have been injured or if this is, I don't know what that is yet. What, we don't know. But whatever it is, it's got some kinks that need to be worked out. Yeah, I I, I don't necessarily like disagree. I just don't want to, I, I don't want people to just give them a pass on this idea. Right. Of, I hear you. You know, like they yes. have, they have been in this system. The yeah. coaching staff is like, there is some level of continuity there, but at the same time, right. There's months and months between the last game of the season and the first game of the season. And right. they, there are changes to the scheme here and there. So um, I, I do think continuity is a piece of it. Yeah, and I, I think there is something to be said for practicing together as a unit, uh, as a secondary. I think there is something to be said for it. And every time I looked out there, I was looking at A.J. Green and M.J. Emerson. I wasn't looking at Greg Newsom during training camp very much, and I wasn't looking at Denzel Ward during training camp very much at all. I was looking at uh, backup cornerbacks and then – you know, maybe you just don't have all your communication down with your safeties or, you know, whatever. I, I just think there's there's something to that. Yeah, so we'll see uh, see how this defense adjusts, see how this uh, passing game adjusts. And, you know, part of this, too, is I, I guess I hate doing this after wins. Sometimes we talk about wins and it sounds like we're talking about a loss. But this sort of is just survive in advance for this football team right now, like you just got to find a way to win as many of these 11 games as you can. And this was one you had, like you have to beat Carolina and it took a miracle, but they did it and they're one and oh, and it's a whole lot better being one and oh, than no one won. Browns fans know that very well. Yeah. I mean, it really did take a minor miracle. And I will tell you, as you know, and I wrote some about this today too, is that, I mean, the, the Panthers feel like they got, you know, totally gypped on that final drive they didn't feel like it was a roughing call. They 100% feel like it was intentional grounding on the part of Jacoby Brissett on the final spike. Uh, so they feel like they didn't beat themselves. They feel like they got beat by uh, the, the zebras. And they're not happy about it uh, because of the way that they fought back. And Baker Mayfield went out there and got that lead for his football team. And uh, so the Browns did need a minor miracle to win it. But as we always say, you know, nobody puts a footnote next to it. Nope. You know, it's just a W. It's just a W and they got it. And, um, you know, and they're, they will be on the other end of one of these at some point throughout this season. So you take them when you can get them. And, you know, you don't apologize to anybody for the W. But this was one that they were really lucky to get. It's not college. There's no NFL playoff committee. They just count, right. they count up the wins at right. the end of the year. 
Yeah. Well, the Brown, the Browns get to keep this one regardless of how it happened or what calls were missed or not missed. And there they go. And look, yeah. it's been since 2004. <laughs> I know. Can you even believe that? I mean, it, it's pretty incredible. 17 straight openers without a victory dating back to 2004. And the first one on the road since 1994. <laughs> and Jacoby Brissett, while we're doing numbers, uh, is the 33rd, 33rd quarterback to start for the Cleveland Browns since they returned in 1999. I mean, come on. How many have started for the Pittsburgh Steelers since then? Since what year? 19, since 1999. Probably not. Well, not yeah, that many. Yeah, I mean, Ben, yeah, I mean, Tom's, I don't even remember. I know. I, I don't even know. I know. Pre-2004, I, mean, I kind of remember some random names, but yeah, you're right. Yeah. But it wasn't, it, it wasn't 33, I can no, promise you well, that. Well, if I had a time machine and I went back to 1994 and I said to you, Mary Kay, Bill Belichick is going to win six Super Bowls <laughs> before the Browns win another season opener on the road. What would your reaction have been? Oh, I would have thought you were nuts. Now, I will say that there was something in him. You knew that he uh, had had some absolutely crazy high football acumen and that he was really smart and that he was on some level a good coach. But I think back then we were so caught up in the whole personality issue and the butting heads with people and the weird press conferences that, you know, you almost couldn't see past that. You couldn't see the genius because you weren't necessarily looking for it. So I probably would have thought that, um, you know, that you were nuts. <laughs> I think you would have been justified. All right. Uh, that'll do it for the Hey Mary Kay edition of the Orange and Brown Talk podcast. Those questions came from our Football Insider subscribers. If you want to get on board, go to cleveland.com slash Browns. Click the blue banner at the top of the page and get subscribed to our podcast on Apple Podcasts and Spotify as well. Mary Kay, I'll talk to you later. Sounds great. <laughs>